How are we doing, everybody? We good? Good weekend overall? Thumbs up, thumbs down? Just kind of mellowed out, kind of chill right now? I got you. Well, I'm excited to be here today. Excited to come before you guys and just get to share the word, share the truth. But again, I just want to emphasize again, like, this is not my truth. This is not my words. This is God's truth, and I'm just so excited but also just so humbled to be here to get to share it with you guys. Um, but before that, I'm just going to quickly pray over the message, and then we'll get things going. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you, and we just say thank you for this wonderful day that you've given us, um, just this new life that we have here um, today. Uh, just a gift that is given so freely, yet we, we should not take for granted. Uh, we thank you for this opportunity to gather, and to, to come and to learn, and to just open up your word and study your truth and be able to apply it to our lives. God, I pray that you just speak through me today uh, to these kids. Um, that's nothing of my own words, actions, deeds, whatever, that I am just merely the vessel that you get to use. Um, God, and if there's anything that is not of you, I pray that it falls on deaf ears, that it goes nowhere. God, we just thank you and we praise you and we ask this all in your son's holiest name. Amen. All right, so quick little... Quick little intro. Uh, we've been going through Luke. We've been seeing the life of Jesus. We've been getting to go over different passages. We've been talking about a lot of different stories, uh, and we've seen a lot of parables. Um, and so there's some significance as to why we see parables and why Jesus uses that. Um, but just the quick overview of what we're going through today is Luke 18, 9 through 14, and it's the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. Um, so kind of before that, over the weekend, I got to, uh, got to see a movie. Uh, you guys can go to that next slide. It should be, um, uh, yeah, the Jesus Revolution movie. Really good. Really, really awesome. Uh, some of you guys have probably heard, oh, those Christian films, sometimes they're cheesy, sometimes they're corny. This one was actually really, really good. I walked in a little skeptical at first, kind of, kind of a, a little bit like the Pharisee in the story that we're going to hear today, kind of a little bit like, uh, I don't know. And I walked out, and I was like, man, that was really good. I walked in with kind of a preconceived notion, um, and I was grateful that the Lord used that opportunity just to radically just get me deep in my heart. Say, hey, you you, you come in with a different heart. Approach everything with a humble and just low heart posture, understanding that there's nothing to me that's really all that good. And who am I to judge something else that someone else did? But, let me just say, this quote right here is something that I loved a lot. Because it's something that I've said quite a bit. And it is, we are all flawed people leading other flawed people. And I've heard it said before, the church basically is broken people leading broken people. And God designed that for a purpose. There's no accident there, it's, it's for a purpose. And we'll get to see some of that. But... If y'all haven't seen it yet, go see it. Go watch it. It's really good. Um, yeah. I'm not going to... that you guys... If you guys want a good movie to go watch, there you go. Uh, but going to that next slide, we got the overview and we got our main points. Um, yeah. You'll see we're sinners. We have nothing to boast about in ourselves. And then God wants us regardless. Simple truth right there. If anyone's taking notes, there, there it is right there. I'll leave that up for just a second so you guys can write that down, do whatever you want. 
But that right there is a simple truth that we get to see in this passage here today. So, moving on, we're going to quickly read the passage and then we'll get underway. And so, we see here, Luke 8, 9 through 14. If you have your Bibles, you can flip to that. But let's read this together. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, Thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus comes back and says, I tell you, this man who went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot to look at. And just some small, small details I want to really emphasize is we've heard about the Pharisees We've heard about tax collectors in the past few weeks. We've gotten to talk a lot about kind of these people and the significance there. And the reason why Jesus uses parables is it's kind of like telling a general story of like people that you would know or something that would be relevant to your time. It kind of be like me today giving an example of like in a sports athlete or a politician or someone that would be relevant today. Give an example of something that they would do or something that could happen something that you guys could understand and take away, understanding more of like, okay, I can see how this applies to me. This isn't far off, and this isn't too like extreme and impossible for us to understand and apply to ourselves. This is just adapted for a different time frame, and we get to understand that by looking into the history, looking into the context, looking into the things that go into this. And so looking back again at those main points, we can see that we are sinners, we have nothing to boast about in ourselves, and God wants us regardless. So at first point, we are sinners. Y'all, it's the, it's the truth of the matter. There's, n- there's nothing else. You can't try and sugarcoat it. You can't try and do anything to hide it, to cover it up. Nothing. We are sinners. We are nothing in comparison to God. We are a beautiful creation that he made and designed perfectly in his image, but when sin entered the picture, we were separated from God. We could no longer be with him. And because of that, we couldn't be in his presence. We were, we were lowly. We were almost beneath him, but yet he still sought us. He still ran hard after us. He, he provided for us. He did so much for a creation that rejected him. You've heard the saying, don't, don't slap the hand that feeds you. Don't swat it away. That's what we did. <laughs> We're sinners. Isaiah 6.5 says, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. 
for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This, is a, this was a very, very righteous man at his time. And the small scene here that we're just unpacking is Isaiah, a man of, of God, getting to see just a small fraction of God and realizing, I am not worthy. I'm sinful. We see in Romans 3.23, you probably have all heard this many times, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Show of hands, who's done communicants here? Is that in your communicants class? Yes. So you know, and this isn't news to you, but I'm just rehashing the reality of what, where we are right now. So that way it's not something that we just lose sight of or we take for granted or just like, oh, it's not that bad. Y'all, the absence of God is the reality of the situation for some people when they pass on from this life. They will not be with God. Apart from God, there is no good, there's no hope, there's no life. Hopefully one day, that's something that you can begin to understand, you can begin to think about and say, man, that's crazy. Because everything good in this life comes from Him. We're sinners, there's nothing good in us. There's nothing we can do, nothing we can earn nothing good apart from God. Romans 5.12 Therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. That sinfulness is in all of us. And it's, it's, it's tough. It's a hard pill to swallow some days. Is that there's nothing good in us apart from Jesus. And Here's a point that I'm going to make, but I want to affirm one important thing to it. We sin regardless of how much we fight it. You're going to keep making mistakes. You're going to keep struggling with something. You're going to disobey God over and over again, no matter how much you try not to. It is just part of our human nature. We see that in Psalm 51.5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. But the grain of hope we have there is that's not the okay to just keep doing it. No, we have a reason to keep fighting that though. God says in Romans 6 or Paul speaking what God is telling him in Romans 6 shall I continue in grace so that sin may abound? No, let, let it never be said. God has redeemed us, not so that we can continue living in this horrible lifestyle, but so that way we can, we can turn away from it. We are being sanctified when we, when we push away from the sinful desires. You're still going to fall short. That's, that's the sad reality. But there's a hope of knowing that that's not the end. God doesn't abandon you after you fall short. But it's the, just the reality. Romans 7, 15 through 19 it's a, it's a big passage. I'm going to summarize it real quick. It's basically Paul saying, I keep doing what I don't want to do. And the things that I do want to do, I don't do. I want to follow God. I want to read my Bible. But yet my, my sin, my, my flesh tells me no. I want to sleep for five more minutes. No, I don't want to read right now. I'm, I'm burnt out. Long day at school. Long sports practice. Whatever. It, it's our human nature to not want to do what we've been instructed. And it's not like you actively trying to fight God. It's just the reality of you have that in you 
But because God sent his son for us, we now have a hope and a new life that's been given to us and able to fight that, to, to fight that each and every day. The Pharisee was a very prideful man, but didn't have really an acceptance of his sinfulness and his brokenness. We see him compare himself to the tax collector, saying all these boastful things. Like, I, I, I fast twice a week. Fun fact, back then, you only really needed to fast once a week as part of, like, the law, as part of the recommended um, fasting guidelines. Dying to yourself. You, it, going more was great, but this man saying, look at me, I am better than everybody else. Better than everybody else. He came into the house of the Lord and said, I'm better. And how many times have we seen someone come into God's house or come before the Lord and say, I'm better. And they end up succeeding. I'll tell you this. That many times. Zero times. Ain't nobody going to go up against God and win when they're trying to be better than God or trying to boast in front of God. He's going to remind them who they are and who he is. But we see the tax collector understood his reality, understood his situation. Most likely he was on his knees begging and praying. It signifies something important. He didn't even turn his eyes up to heaven. He, was, he just knew the reality of his, his situation. And so it probably looked a little similar to just this, being low and just crying out to the Lord. Not even looking up, just looking down. Just saying, God, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I know my sinfulness. Tax collectors back then weren't exactly very popular people. We see in some of the previous weeks, the tax collectors were some of those people that Jesus spent time with, the people that other people complained about. The Pharisees were like, who are you spending your time with? These are nobodies. One of Jesus' disciples, his name originally was Levi, but we know him more often as Matthew, was a tax collector. He was a Jewish man that grew up under Roman education. Very, very, well, very well respected amongst the Romans, but amongst his own people, he was seen as, as a reject. As, as someone who abandoned his people, someone who turned his back on his people. His own people didn't even want him. Yet Jesus said, hey, I want you. Follow me. We see here the tax collector, knowing the gravity of his situation, saying, God, I am nothing. It's nothing to me. There's nothing to me. And so we are a fallen and sinful people. I'd say from, from past experience and just from what the gospel tells me, the sooner we, we understand this, the sooner we come to grips with this, the sooner things will begin to make, make, make things understandable. The sooner we'll, we'll, we'll quit fighting the hand that feeds us. We'll quit running up against a lot of brick walls. And God's going to be like, all right, now that you want to listen, here we go. Moving in, into our next point, we have nothing to boast about in ourselves. God doesn't ask us to do anything before we follow him. He just tells us to believe and to have faith. There's nothing that we can boast about. 
Because at the end of the day, if we tried, God would just be like, all right, you can do that. I can do this. Any one of you guys could probably tell me some athletic feat that you can do. And being that I'm older, I'm bigger, and I have much more experience, I could probably say, okay, cool. I can do that, and then I can do more. There's always an opportunity that if you try to boast, God's going to humble you in some way. Someone could come up and not even say it directly to your face. They can just show it in their actions, and you'd be like, dang, maybe, maybe I'm not all that, that I thought. And, and Paul writes in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace you have been saved. Not of your own works, by grace. Simple this. Someone gave you this, this gift, and you can only receive it through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works. Nothing you can do. And for me, that was a tough reality for many years of my life. Because I always felt like I was an outcast. I never felt like I fit in. Never felt like I was good enough. So I'd always try and work hard. But y'all, when, when, when I just, when I cried out to God and said, I need, I need your love. I need your understanding. In time, he eventually gave me this understanding of saying, okay, I may not be good enough, but he doesn't care. He loves me just as I am. And he's going he's gonna to walk alongside me. And through time, I will, he'll grant me that understanding through the work of the Holy Spirit. So I know I don't have to try and work for my salvation. I don't have to try and earn it. Y'all, if, you, if y'all had to earn your salvation, you'd be, you'd be getting no sleep. In the Islamic culture... A big, a big point for them is emphasizing that you do more good than bad. I lived overseas for 15 years. I lived in Saudi Arabia, the heart of Islamic culture. I, li- I lived and had, over there, and I had many friends that were Muslim. Growing up, I was there from about kindergarten, about eighth grade. I have many good friends over there. A lot of their parents, though, I noticed things. They'd have counters in each pocket. One would be a good deeds counter. The other was a bad deeds counter. I, I don't know about you, but just thinking about that, it's just so tiresome to constantly, all day long, be thinking, was this a good deed or was this a bad deed? And then at the end of the day, looking at those numbers, saying, was the good deeds higher? Or dang, the bad deeds was higher. And realizing, man, this was a failure of a day. Allah, their God, they think, he doesn't love me today. I'm going to have to work extra hard tomorrow. And that kind of a cycle, man, you're going to get burned out. You're going to get tired. You're not going to make it very far. There's not a lot of love there. There's not a lot of hope. And so we see here, it's not a gift. It's not, it's not works. It's not our own doing. It's truly a gift. Because we have nothing to boast about. 2 Corinthians 11.30, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Paul, Paul was known to boast about the fact that he was weak. He was a sinful man, and he couldn't do a lot of things. But it was God using him for many mighty things. Second, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.31, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Y'all, God's lowest, God's weakest like the, the smallest thing 
far better than our best. And my best thing, pretty much like the space in between my fingers, very small. And that's not even the best description and best accurate depiction. But the best that I can give is nothing compared to God. Nothing. And so I get to just boast in that. Boast in that I have a God that's bigger and better than me. And who can do all these things that I can't do. Jesus tells us we ought to live in humility and right understanding of who we are in him and not apart from him. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes it's hard having that right understanding of what humility looks like. Because it can be like, oh, if I just think of myself less. Well, and yes, to an extent, kind of. But it's not really that. Because that's still self-centered. That's like, oh... Okay, am I thinking of myself less? Okay, good. I wasn't thinking of myself then. No, it's, you still have a lot of emphasis on the wrong thing. It's thinking of others more. Saying, hey, someone else's needs are bigger than my own. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what I can to help them out. Because that's the right thing. Because I'm not thinking about myself. I'm not trying to boast in myself. And when you go and do that right thing, don't, don't brag about it. God sees it. That's all that matters. The Pharisee boasted in all the works he did. But apart from God, he wouldn't have been able to do anything. And he's not understanding of that. That his boasting is foolish. It's, it's nothing. The Pharisee, standing by himself, said, Thank you that I'm not like the other men. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that. Y'all. Do you realize that in his prayer how selfish that sounds? Like, that, that's just horrible. You're going, to, you're going to God. You're in God's house. You're in the temple. You're in God's house. And you're saying, I'm better than him. And the entire time, what has God said? What has God shown all throughout history? You are not good. You are sinful. You need to keep making atonements. You need to keep doing these things to repent. And he was trying to remind them that this, this kind of life, you cannot do. You will not last. That's why he sent Jesus, his only son, to be that perfect atonement, to complete everything that they, they would never be able to complete. He did something for them that he didn't have to. No one was telling God, you have to do this for them. He did it out of his own love for us. But we see the tax collector, he understood his reality. He didn't boast in his undoing. He boasted in his weakness. He said, I am but a sinner. I am but a lowly man. I am the reject of rejects. I'm the man hated by other people right now. The only thing we can boast about being apart from God is being sinful, evil, and broken creatures, just like Paul says. If we're going to boast about anything, either boast in God or boast in the fact that you're just nothing. There's, there's just nothing else there. Going into the last point, God wants us regardless. I've, I've, I've mentioned it all, all throughout this message, but God wants us regardless. God wants us regardless of our sinfulness and our brokenness. Isaiah 43.1. If you've seen The Chosen, you know what I'm about to reference. 
And in, in the scene, Jesus is going is to recite an old passage from the Old Testament to Mary, Mary of Magdala, someone who has for years been through so much pain and suffering. And he says something to her that's going to stop her dead in her tracks, quite literally in the depiction that the show gives. But he says to her, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who forms you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. This woman had spent years feeling like she wasn't loved, suffering through pain, suffering through hardship. She, she was going through a lot. Some of us here have probably been through a lot. Some of us here are probably going through a lot. But we can all probably relate to that feeling of just hurt, that feeling of not feeling like they're enough to some extent. Having that feeling like we're not doing enough. But we see here that God loves us no matter what and wants us. And you've, you've heard the good old classic John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loved the world. The world was broken when he sent his son. Very, very lost. Very sinful. But God still loved it. That's like as if I were to come over here Look at this crumpled cup. You'd probably think, oh, just throw it away. It's no longer useful or anything. From the looks of it, I don't see any cracks in it. So it probably could still, for the most part, be useful. I look at this, I'm like, you know what? It's a bit battered and beat up, but it's still a cup. It probably can still be useful for what it was designed to be. I'm not looking at this like, oh, gosh, I don't even want that. God's, God's seen things that aren't what they we're supposed to be anymore and saying hey no matter what I still love you I'm still going to redeem you through Jesus God is able to redeem us and sanctify us for the remainder of our time on this earth we are being set apart we're being sanctified for those of you that just did communicants or have done communicants you probably know what that word means for those of you that aren't sanctification is a simple, simple fact of the matter that in this life once we've accepted God, once we've, once we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, confessed with our mouths and believed in our heart that he's our Lord, we now get to go through life where God refines us, God improves upon us, God, God makes us more in his image, he gets to set us apart from others. But it's God doing it, God working in us. God saying, hey, I'm going to make you different. People will see it. And people will ask you, why are you different? It's because God has done it all. Acts 13, 39. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Jesus came and said, all right, the law that you've been following for so long it's only meant to be a mirror for you. It's only meant to show you how sinful you are and how you cannot make yourselves clean perfectly before God. He came and said, all right, I'm going to put this away. And I'm going to stand here in front of you and say, you are redeemed now. You are clean. You are you're, you're set apart. 
You're worthy. You are loved. Jesus came and said, I'm going to embrace you. And I'm going to give you that seal of approval. Philippians 1.6 And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul writing to the church at Philippi. Saying, hey, you're being sanctified. God's working in you right now. It's going to be difficult. Baxter and Sam. Sit still, buddy. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. One day we will not be sinners anymore. We will be perfect. Man, for me, that's amazing. That's something that I just can't wait for. I had a lot of injuries through sports all throughout middle school and high school. Something that I deal with today is my knees aren't what they used to be. My knees are actually a little bit less than what most people's knees are. There's usually some kind of some tissue, some cartilage that sits between the bones. I have very little of that cushion between bones. So my knees hurt a little bit more than people at my age should be. And it's, it's hard. Some days I get up and I'm just like, man, this hurts. It's bone on bone. Yet I still push through. I say, okay, I have a hope of something better. I'll be made new again. I'll be reborn and made perfect. I'll be as God designed me all the way from the beginning to be. But it's a reminder of, hey, in this life, we just got to keep waiting for that day. Keep following God faithfully. Just be faithful. It's a constant battle of our flesh and the spirit. Ephesians 6.12, for we do not wrestle against the flesh and the blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is, this is leading up right into the, the armor of God. Saying, hey, I'm not going to be battling my sin as if I was talking to someone, debating with someone. No, it's going to be my inner desires saying, no, I don't want to get up five minutes early. I don't want to get up and read my word. No, I don't want to be disciplined and go eat a piece of fruit. I want that piece of cake right there because that's just what I want. It tastes good. I don't want to take care of my body. I don't want to go to Bible study because it's boring. It's not fun. I don't want to spend time with God. No, I want to do what I want to do. Now, that's the battle that we're going to keep fighting each day. It's tough. We're going to have setbacks, but God still loves us no matter what. He picks us right back up, sets us on our feet, says, hey, I'm right here with you. We can do this. Back to Romans 7, 15 and 19. Paul again says, I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I want to do, I agree with the law. That it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. Hear that part. Nothing good dwells in me. Only Jesus, once he's entered into my life, is the good in me. But sin that dwells within me, in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. 
for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. This isn't an excuse for you to keep doing it. This is just a reminder and the truth of saying, hey, don't feel like you're a horrible person, that you're just, ugh. Everyone's struggling. Everyone's fighting. Give some grace to yourself. Have a little moment of understanding of saying, hey, I'm not perfect, and that's okay. You don't have to be perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. Y'all, my freshman year, my first semester, I flunked out of a math class. I'm not perfect. I own that. I wasn't doing my work. It was hard, and I wasn't doing my work. I own that. I'm not perfect. But I wasn't going to let that just, like, define me. I said, okay, no. I'm going to keep being diligent. I'm going to work hard. That's what God's told me to do. I'm going to work hard. Work to his glory. Work to his honor. It is a human and totally natural thing to sin. Not that we should keep doing it and just be like, okay. But it's, it's the reality of this life. But God still wants us regardless. That is a good truth and a hope for us to rest in. So looking back on our main points, we're sinners. We have nothing to boast about in ourselves. And God wants us regardless. And the main takeaway I want you guys to really listen to if you, if you kind of tuned out for the rest of this. The hope and the good news of the gospel is that regardless of our sinfulness, God still wants us and redeems us from self. All right, bow your heads. We're going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come for you. We just say thank you. God, we just, it, it's, it's a tough thing having to, having to acknowledge our sinfulness, having to own up to that. But God, we thank you that you still love us no matter what. That yes, we may disobey you. We may go against you. God, you still love us. And I pray that today, that's what these kids get to hear, is that regardless of their disobedience, regardless of their rebellion, regardless of their sinfulness, you still love them. That there is still a good news from your good news for them to hear. God, I pray that, that these words can truly rest on their hearts and their minds and not just be head knowledge, but begin to be life application. That they can begin to live this out. God, I pray that you just watch over uh, each and every one of us and keep us safe as we go throughout not only the rest of today, but throughout the rest of this week, and as we're getting ready for spring break. God, that we can keep working diligently and keep being excellent in all things. That we don't just give up, but that we say, okay, I'm going to keep fighting the good fight. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to be the Pharisee and trying to compare myself. I'm not going to be the man who's trying to be better, be the do-gooder that does all the good things. No, I'm going to be like the tax collector and accept my sinfulness and understand that reality but not let it define me and not be my crutch. I'm going to understand the reality of who I am and be grateful for the gift that you give me, God. I pray that you just watch over us, guide us, and protect us, God. We, we love you so much and we know that you loved us. We ask this just all in your son's holiest name. Amen.